Thanks for listening to CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, coming up on CarCast, uh, we are going to talk about uh, Ford F-150 Power Boost, Porsche Taycan, uh, maybe a little bit of Volvo stuff, and ooh, the hot new BMW M5 CS. This could be uh, a fantastic uh, super sedan to get into. Uh, before we get started, a word from our friends at Dodge. You know, Dodge has officially opened the doors of the new 2021 Dodge Durango SRT Hellcat. It's the most powerful SUV ever. Exclusive for 2021, it features 710 horsepower, a new aggressive exterior styling, a new interior with a driver-centric cockpit. I saw some of the numbers on this thing, and it's like 0 to 60 in like three and a half seconds. It is just an animal. It looks fantastic. All buyers receive a full day of pro instruction at the Bondurant High Performance School of Driving, and deliveries, deliveries will begin early this year. And you know that Dodge was ranked number one for initial quality and best driver appeal for mass market brands by J.D. Power. It's the first brand ever to be ranked number one in initial quality and appeal in the same year. So see your local Dodge dealer today or visit Dodge.com to schedule your test drive. Hello, welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea. Our buddy Bill Goldberg is uh, getting ready for uh, for his championship match at Royal Rumble. So he's uh, working hard. He will not be here today. But you're in for a treat. We've got our buddy Alistair Weaver from Edmunds.com with us. How are you, Alistair? I'm good. Thanks, Matt. Happy New Year and all that. Happy New Year. Yeah. Aren't you glad you're not in the UK right now? <laughs> I am mighty glad. I, I expect they, If you think we have it bad in the US, UK is in Full lockdown. Just lockdowns weather, although I'm in California, so I just assume we all have this weather. Uh, I got in the car the other day, and it was like 50 degrees. I'm like, nope. I I was on the way here with the heated steering wheel on and the heated seats on and the heat on in the car. I'm driving the Jag F-Pace, which is a lovely uh, F-Type, the little sports car, which is lovely. But I had to use the heated steering wheel because it was 50. (laughs) <laughs> it really makes me laugh where I live because as soon as as soon as it dips below sixty, everybody kind of comes out with a big woolly bubble hats on, and you yep. know, and, and total designer. Oh, if it rains, it's like Patagonia head to toe. Oh yeah, you know, with <laughs> with huge boots. It's like the whole technical, you know, Everest kit comes out for the the moment it rains. It makes me laugh. I've been here three years. I can't believe I, I've been doing this show for three years now. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think so. Well, two. How about, Great. Yeah, I think we've been doing this show with Bill for two, so about, yeah, two. I think it's two in March. Or it's three. Actually, I feel like it's I two. I think it's three, mate. I think it's three. I've been in California three years, and I remember coming to do this show like three weeks after I arrived, something like that. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe it's three. Year three. Sweet. I feel like we should be making more money. Man and boy. <laughs> well, speaking of that, uh, speaking about making money, here's a word from our friends at Dodge. Dodge was ranked number one for initial quality and best driver appeal for mass market brands by J.D. Power. It's the first U.S. brand to ever be ranked number one in initial quality and appeal in the same year. So see your local Dodge dealer or visit Dodge.com to schedule your test drive today. All right, so we've got a bunch of stuff to uh, to go over. You've been driving a bunch of cars, and and uh, we've got some... uh, 
definitely got some fun stuff coming up. Um, any little updates uh, uh, on on my end? We just knock them out real quick. Is uh, yes, got into the uh, got into the man cave, got the floors done, posted pictures. Thanks for all the nice comments about that. It's looking pretty good. Um, getting ready to to move some stuff in there, but before we sort of clutter it up with parts and tools and things like that, I'm going to get maybe get a couple cars in there to photograph. We're thinking about you know. Uh, I, I think Adam and I can get into this later in the week, but uh, we're still sitting on one last Lamborghini streetcar. It's a 67, maybe 67 Lamborghini 400 GT, and our buddy Bodie Stroud has been restoring it, and we're going to get that um, soon, but uh, just what we've done with the collection over the years – we have decided to sell that. You know, we've got mostly just racing cars in that collection. And as you guys know, we picked up that um we picked up that that other Newman car. Alistair, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh we've got uh Paul Newman's Ford Escort. It's like a seventy four Ford Escort right hand drive with a Cosworth engine. A Cosworth engine. It is a oh, badass little car. It's a badass little car. Uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, so well, we got that, and I just think we're going to, you know, because we're so focused on the racing cars right now, uh, we've got this last Lamborghini that we're going to be selling soon. Maybe bring a trailer. Uh, not exactly sure yet, but um, it was a good thought was, hey, we've got this. I got this new warehouse space. The floors are done. All the walls have been painted bright white. What what a nice little place maybe to photograph that car to get to get some pretty decent shots, uh, you know, for for bring a trailer. So I, I uh, tell you what, Matt, of, of all the cars apart from the mirror, which I now you've now you've new, so I'd love to go in that Escort. I remember many many years yeah. ago being taken out in a in a Mexico in a Mexico rally car with Stig Blomqvist. Mm-hmm. I think it was a it was a borrowed car at the Race of Champions when it used to be held in, in Gran Canaria off Africa. And it was they're just magical things that I would just love to have. A company in the UK has started rebuilding 70s, uh, 70s escort rally cars. And they're about 80,000 bucks or something. They're, they're a ton of money. Yeah. But they yeah. are such a lovely thing. The purity, the purity of the driving. Yeah. Now, this isn't a rally car specifically. This is this is a road going car. But uh, okay. uh, but it I, I guess maybe Newman raced it in in Europe or you know, I, I got to dig into it a little bit more, but we we knew about it for a long time. Our, our friends in Florida had the car and was was racing it, and you know, he just got a little older. Um, and with COVID, knew he wasn't going to be. Racing. He's in his eighties. Uh, you know, it, he he knew he was getting older, so his racing was going to be limited. And then with COVID, he just had to you know just really kind of lock himself down and uh, being being uh, how old he is and. He's always talked about selling the vehicle, and we said, you know what, no rush. Whenever you want, enjoy the car. Let us know, and then we'll we'll talk about it. And it's exactly what happened. Honestly, probably like five or six years went by, and he just enjoyed the car. But it's in the book. It's in the winning book, uh, the Racing Life, Paul Newman. It's in it's in the documentary, I believe. So, you know, it's a cool piece to have. And you know, of course, for m- me being over here, being such a Ford guy, I've, I've always been kind of pushing Adam, like, oh, you got to get a Ford. You got to get a Ford. We were close to getting this other uh, Ford, a uh, Fox body Mustang racing car, uh, but we just weren't able to put that deal t- together. 
Uh, so we got uh, we got this, and now of course it's right hand drive, and it's got a Cosworth engine. So, <laughs> you are know. you going to care with right hand drive, Matt? Yeah, I haven't tried it, but uh, might as well uh, give it a give it a shot. I mean, obviously with the manual transmission, you just got to give a little thought to the to the shifting pattern. I couldn't imagine it quite in a racing environment where you you don't really think so much about the shifting as you do everything else that's going on. But around the street, I think I could just give it some thought and. Do it slowly and figure it out. Well, it's the same H pattern. It's just your left hand. Yeah. And the clutch is still in the same place. Yeah, no, it's I funny, get it. <laughs> uh, without wishing to name names, a couple of years ago, we went over to Goodwood uh, with McLaren for mm-hmm. the Festival of Speed. And I know that, as you do, I know the Nissan PR guy really, really well. And when we arrived there, it was like, right, we're going to get everybody 720s or 570s to drive down from McLaren's HQ in Woking down to Goodwood, which is about an hour and a half normally. And of course, like this was full of uh, American guests and most hadn't driven right-hand drive. And if you think about like the worst car to get into would be something like a 720 where the visibility is good for a supercar, but it's still a supercar Yeah, and it's wide. And the roads down to Goodwood are super narrow, very kind of, you know, old English roads. And we arrived down the hotel and I think there was like four vehicles and I think three had been hit in some de- some description. One of them had to go back on a trailer. <laughs> oh and gosh. it was just like a couple of alloys or a wing or, yeah. So um, be careful. We were Spatial down there. Uh, uh, Chris was with us, I believe. We were down there, you know, heading out to Goodwood. And we, we had a crew. We were filming stuff. And, you know, Mike August and everybody. Said, we had a van. And you're right. Some of those... Some of those roads, they're not made for like like a sprinter van, you know, like tall. No. So you're just you're just whacking trees at the top of this thing the whole the whole time out, <laughs> getting on that that long road that goes out there before you get into town again. It's just you're just trimming trees with that thing. That's where Mike yelled at that nice little old lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was like, "So you're going the wrong way." He's like, "Shut up." <laughs> He just kept going. Yeah, he played the uh, ugly American. <laughs> yeah, totally well. the ugly American. I don't think we're Did allowed. He had the big white trainers on. Oh my gosh, he and he was driving at the time too, so he was hanging out the window of that thing, yelling at this little lady. She's trying to be nice, going like, "Yeah, no, you're just going the wrong way." He's like, "Shut up, keep going." <laughs> I think we had to fill in some of the paint with like a sharpie. Oh, or we something. did, yeah, with the black van, and we scratched the side, so we just went out there with a sharpie, just just fill in the black lines, and then uh, Nate returned the van, and it was pouring rain, so they didn't have like an opportunity to go inspect it. We're like, hey, once it's out of our hands, we didn't do anything. <laughs> Never buy a higher car. <laughs> yeah, so then we had to take off like three years before we can go back. Uh, all right, so. We've got uh, we've got some interesting stuff going on. Um, you've been doing a little driving. Uh, you mentioned Bronco Sport, which uh, I, I drove as well. So I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Um, I know we've covered it quite a bit here already, but um, just to get your thoughts. Uh, uh, but also um, Ford F one fifty. Uh, Power Boost F one fifty Hybrid and uh, Porsche Taycan. Let's. Uh, Let's uh, get into uh, some of that. Where do you yeah, want to start? I mean, I had the start F- with one F one fifty. Why not start with the biggest? Yeah, I had. I mean, this was a vehicle that we gave our Edmunds Top Rated Truck Award to at the end of last year, and I finally got to spend some longer time in it over over last weekend and a few few days besides. And yeah, it's um, it's a lovely thing. It, it, it's crazy when you think how far trucks have come on. I mean, this is this has got. Uh, this was a this was a platinum, so it's the second to top trim. Limited's the top trim, 
but it had all the the hybrid system and loads of additional equipment. And it's just a it, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you have the the beds that lie flat. You know, you've got these new. You can opt for these seats that actually basically turn into like a business class bed, mm-hmm. but you've actually got more room than you have in in most business class seats. Uh, you have the little tables that fold out in the middle. Uh, so you have to push your button and the gear stick goes down. And then you can fold out these tables. You know, the, the quality of the leather, just the fix and fit. I mean, it feels inside like a like a luxury car with, with tons and tons of space and glass roof. And it goes on and on. Massage seats. They massage seats in their F-150. It's heated steering wheel, Matt, just to, just to please you. But it's it's a 74. This was a $74,000 truck. And it's strange when you think the range starts at 30 grand and goes to well, almost 100. You know, it's almost kind of mad to think of it as an F-150. You've got to almost kind of compartmentalize it. But a great thing. I mean, it drives it drives well. The, the hybrid system, it's kind of nice to have it around town, but there is, it's not perfect. You do feel, as you do with so many hybrids, that little bit of uh, that little bit of kind of transmission powertrain unrefinement as it cuts from engine to motor and back again and when it's when it's almost running in generator mode it doesn't sound too great either but it's it's kind of nice to have at low speeds particularly if you're kind of more you know if you're more urban centric like i am um the only thing that really makes it feel like a truck is just the uh, a the sheer physicality of the thing and b be the ride quality you know you always that's the bit where you realize you're in a truck and not an suv just because you you know you still have that kind of fairly you know fairly chunky ride Right, it still has to tow and carry a payload, which is actually interesting because I did when I when I drove it uh, at the Ford event. Um, I did grab one of the big trailers. I grabbed one of the the large like uh, 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 streamliner or uh, what do you call? It? I, I caught one of the big uh, trailers and towed with it. And uh, power boost towing was interesting because you know first of all it loads up that suspension. Which is actually more comfortable with with a bunch of weight on it than it is without, uh, oftentimes, and the combination of of the electric motors of getting you know getting onto the freeway up to speed or or from a get go, I I kind of saw it as a bit of an an advantage having that low low end torque. Yeah, and it's all instantaneous, instantaneous just to get things moving, isn't it? So, yeah, it's a. It's a cool thing. And the only thing is when you start, you know, in isolation and then you start thinking if you don't need a truck, suddenly if it's 75 grand, you know, you're into like GLE, X5. I know Adam's just bought a Lincoln Navigator. You know, $75,000 buys you a pretty serious SUV. Yeah, it does. I I just don't know how much. I don't know. You guys can answer that, but how much cross shopping there is. I feel like if you're a truck guy or you need a truck or have you know, driven trucks for a long time. Like you're just, you're just kind of that, right? You know, you just, yeah, you're kind of in on them, right? And and that's what Ford's banking on, right? That's why they sell almost a million of these things a year. <laughs> it, it, it is, and you you know what? I mean, obviously, I got no talking about English roads. You know, you couldn't drive an F one fifty in the UK, but I'm a truck guy now. I absolutely love these things, and we went out with my <laughs> yeah, you're a truck and, guy. Uh, <laughs> Welcome I'm to the club. I'm a truck guy now. We went, <laughs> we went out on Sunday, and we. We, we went to, to do a hike and then we, we called and got some food on the way back. And we actually, the three of us sat in the bed. So it was like COVID friendly, friendly family <laughs> environment. You can't, you can't sit outside and eat, but you can sit in your bed. It was great. Yeah. Uh, big fan. You know, uh, 
I drove a, a number of them, um, like you were just driving now, and we're saying that you know these are seventy, seventy-five thousand dollar trucks at this point, but they don't have to be, right? You said they start at about thirty. I don't even know if it's even less than that. But do we know where yeah. the Power Boost version starts? What is basically if 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 it really is a utility vehicle for you, the idea of the power boost is fantastic. All the plugs and the outlets and the power on board and the the, the job site stuff. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, what is the power boost entry level price? Because I don't know that the power boost, it's not like the power boost is $10,000. It's a, it's a few thousand dollars above. So I don't know. Are you, are, is it somewhere around thirty three grand to, to get sort of an entry level power boost F-150? Yeah, it's two and a half. If I remember correctly, um, it's about two and a half grand as an option. Uh, or it's two and a half grand above the V8 as an option. But what I think what Ford's done, um, you know, there's so much complexity in, in ordering a truck these days. If you ever see the order guide for an F-150, it's insane. It's like one of those old-fashioned telephone books. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, but what they have done is they've allowed this 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 uh, powertrain on on pretty much the whole range. I can't remember if it's on the very bottom trim, but instead of just reserving it for Platinum and Limited, they're actually giving you access to it across the range. So you can you can spec the truck exactly how you want it. So, yeah, I, I think it starts in the uh, I think it probably starts in the 30s uh, or at the very at the very least the 40s. You don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to get all the bells and whistles to get the powertrain, which is great because actually, depending on your um, depending on your needs, uh, that hybrid powertrain could be super useful. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I think you're right in that. I don't remember if power boost meant you'd have to get a bunch of other stuff. You know, like I, a lot of times you're like, oh, I want this package, but you have to, you know, get three other packages yeah, the, by yeah. default. And I, I don't think you have to. I think you might have to get towing and things like that, but there's a, there's a bit of stuff, but yeah. And, and I think then the generator system in the, in the, in the load bay is a is additional is additional but it it's um at least they're giving you the option you don't have to have you know heated seats and a heated steering wheel in order to get the uh in order to get that transmission yeah okay well that being said talking about uh, uh electrification and whatnot you uh, also got into the Porsche Taycan. Now, we talked about this. Bill and I talked about this last week saying, hey, this is the entry-level Porsche. They went from Turbo S to Turbo to 4S. And now with, an, with a reasonable price discount of, of, I don't know, 20 grand or so, uh, now into the 80-something thousand dollar range, you can get a rear-wheel drive Porsche Taycan. You got an, an opportunity to drive it? Yeah, I did. And I have to be, we, we're all under a sort of legal embargo not to talk about too much about driving until early February. So if I sound a bit, so I'm going to have to honor that to a certain extent. But it's, yeah, I mean, basically what it is, is is a Taycan 4S without the front motor. So kind of what Tesla do with the Model 3, where you have the standard range plus, which is just rear-wheel drive and a single motor at the back. So it starts a smidgen under 80 grand. or uh, So I reckon... I reckon mid nineties is probably what you'll spend. You know, it's a Porsche. You always have to put on a few bits and pieces. So it's, you're probably going to, you could get one that you would want in a trim that you'd want for about 90,000, um, which is a, a lot less. And really what you're giving away is straight line performance. It's, it's a bit like, you know, the entry level uh, versions of the, uh, of the Cayenne and the Macan, they're just not in a straight line. They're just not that fast. 
I mean, this thing's got 327 horsepower. You know, and it's a pretty hefty car, the Taycan. So it all depends on what you think a Porsche should be. If you need a Porsche to go fast in a straight line, then, you know, people are going to kind of bemoan it's not a real car. But if, if you think about a Porsche as a more kind of holistic blend of virtues, then it probably makes sense. And it, as a as a road car, I was talking to some of the guys at Porsche about it and where they see the market. And a lot of people might be buying this, you know, wealthy people as, as their everyday car and then having you know, a 911 or, or something else as a, as a toy at the week, as a toy at the weekend. So you have your, you have your GT3 in the garage for when you really want to drive. And then your Taycan is your commuter car. But, you know, we are talking about quarter of two, you know, nearly 300 grams with the Porsche there, but that seems to be how some customers are treating it. You know, uh, for this base level version, without getting too much into the driving impressions, uh, you know, eliminating the, the front motors, obviously eliminating some weight as well and some performance yeah. out of it. But um, but overall, I mean, is it is is it kind of? Do you think it's going to be the one that that gets people into this car more? And is the range any better or worse in this configuration? Are they just going smaller battery as well, and and the range is what it is? No, the battery the battery is exactly the same lineup as the 4S. So you can have the normal battery or you can have a performance battery, which is another five grand and gives you a bit more bit more range. Interesting, we we now Edmunds always does a, a dedicated EV loop, and our results for Taycan are, are extraordinary. They're claiming just over 200 miles. We were getting over 300. And with Teslas, we don't tend to match their range. With Porsche, we were getting like 50% more. So you know, the Taycan is always really impressed with how far it goes in the real world. So, yeah, you're losing about two or 300 pounds off the front by ditching the front motor. You're keeping the same battery and also there'll be some efficiency gains. So actually, we would expect the range to be better than a 4S. The other thing to think about, and I, again, I put this to Porsche, is all you've really done is take away the front motor and uh, air suspension, which is a $2,000 option anyway, and you're saving 25 grand. So it, the, the numbers don't seem to add up. Surely you're not saying a front motor is 25 grand. So it, it, it there's got to be a bunch of other options like floor mats and a steering wheel and a brake pedal. <laughs> yeah, which 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 because <laughs> that's what I, that was my cynicism. I said like, right, okay, what else has gone? Yeah, you know, because Porsche is very a la carte, right? Porsche has more yeah. options than you could, than probably more options than an F150. <laughs> probably yes, and certainly more expensive options. Yeah, so. But but yeah, I mean, a four S is a hundred. You think about it this way: a four S is one hundred twenty grand with with in the real world, and a one of these, a Taycan, is ninety five. So it's still by the time you put the bits on it, it's still twenty grand cheaper. So it's all about how fast you want to go in a straight line, unless you live, unless you live in the snow belt, uh, and in which case, all wheel drive is probably going to be pretty useful. Right. Okay. Do we know how well these are selling overall? I mean, it seemed like it was a hot item when Porsche was coming out with it, and um, and I mentioned this on on previous shows. But uh, a few people have sent me photos going, "Hey, just drove by the Porsche dealer, and there's seven of these out front." You know, so I'm, I'm curious. Maybe it's just a geographic air thing, but uh, is is Porsche selling these? Yeah, in in a word, yes. Um, if you look at the uh, if you look at the sales figures for last year, Taycan really propped them up. 
So it, it vastly outsells Panamera. Uh, I think it's kind of not far off 911. So, I mean, McCann, McCann and, and Cayenne are still the biggest selling vehicles for Porsche, but Taycan's doing really well for them. Way ahead of Panamera, ahead of 718, you know, the Boxster, Boxster and Cayman. So it's it's really helped them in. I mean, their sales overall were still a little bit down last year, as you'd expect, but uh, it's it's really helped boost their numbers. And you know, I, I I can't see that going away. It's a desirable thing. I think it's sensibly priced. You know, you forget the Turbo S at two hundred. You know, a four S is everything you'd need, and it's the same price as a nine eleven Carrera. You know, with how well SUVs do in this country, and how well SUVs are doing for Porsche, why was the Taycan a sedan? Why wasn't it, you know, some sort of slightly lifted crossover-ish type of vehicle? Maybe closer to, I don't know, I-Pace, Jaguar I-Pace, right? Uh, as opposed to sedan. Like, why isn't it, I don't know, four inches taller? <laughs> well, funny you should say that. Have you seen the uh, the Taycan Cross Turismo? Yeah, I they saw started, it. Yeah, a little bit. But they're going to build it, which is basically exactly what you just what you just described. So it's uh, it'll go on sale this year, or at least it'll be launched this year. Um, and basically, what that will be is a is a sort of jacked up Taycan with a extended rear rear quarters. So more like a sort of a genuine crossover. So sort of somewhere between the Taycan as we know it and a proper SUV. So like a wagon, like a it's a bit like an Audi All Road. So, so it's going to have yeah, better yeah. ground well, clearance. Panamera has the hatchbacky version. They have the bubble yeah. back one. Uh, the the what is it? The sport? Is it the sport? What's yeah, the? Uh, is that the? Is that the sport turismo? Yeah, maybe sport turismo. So it's like yeah, so it's uh, an electric is, jacked up version of that. <laughs> yeah. So, but and actually, then that's going to be a lot more practical. It's going to be a bit more off roady. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's going to be a really cool thing. I, I guess the challenge for them on on the EV side is you know if it's compromising efficiency and everything else. And I think also the Mission E when they came out with that concept, everybody loved it. And the Taycan's just such a beautiful looking car, um, quite color dependent. The car I had was like an ice white and looked amazing. I had a red one, which and it kind of lost a bit. But yeah, that that, that Cross Turismo is going to come out this year and kind of answer that answer that question. Really, it's going to be. You know, it's going to be. I think that's going to be the one to have, to be honest. And it's probably going to be about ten percent more expensive. Yeah. Okay. Well, that 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 makes sense. I think that's going to be the one that the where the volume is going to come from. I think even more so than what they're doing right now, which is interesting because you're talking about a vehicle that's that's coming out this year, and there's going to be some debuts and stuff for it. Are we done with car shows? Are we done with you know the with L.A. and New York and Chicago and Detroit and well, Detroit just got cancelled. Um, New York is, I mean, New York is just, you know, traditionally April. That's not going to happen. Um, LA is November. I mean, let's hope that you and I can enjoy a beer in person by November, Matt. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's 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 a conversation. And auto shows are already having, you know, having difficulties in this kind of digital age where everything's released online. Will they come back? I kind of hope so. You know, I miss that. Maybe it's more of a media thing, but I, I miss that idea. And well, no, as a consumer too, I'm, I miss the idea that you go to one place and everything's there, and the glamour and the lights and the the fact that you're seeing the very latest things. And you know, anybody who's anybody in the automotive world is there, and it's it's a great social occasion, and you get a real you get a real sense of where the industry at, who's up, who's down. You know, it's so 
I hope it doesn't go away completely. You know, I used to go to Geneva, Paris or Frankfurt, Chicago, Detroit. And yeah, it's a big part of the year. And SEMA, of course, uh, you know, on the tuning side. So, you know, CES, I don't, I don't know. Matt. I, I, I really don't know because they're so expensive to do. Well, that was the thing is, is they're very pricey to do. So they were already kind of hurting you know, and and more manufacturers were dropping out of those big events because it's so expensive for them to go there, right? Like, you know, to somebody have a booth there, it's it's very expensive. We've seen for a long time LA Auto Show. We, you know, I can't remember the last time. You know, some of the well, maybe maybe recently Ferrari was there, but I don't know that they did that. I think they were off for a few years. But you start to think about. You know, with with COVID, we didn't have auto shows for the last year or so. But I wonder if um, if they're going to be gone forever. So that's going to be kind of the thing. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering if if something needs to change under the entire model of how it's how it's structured. I mean, uh, they they're never really. You know, like you said, they're very expensive, and a lot of that cost came down to the manufacturers having to foot the bill for huge, expensive booths. But maybe there's got to be a way to to offset some of that stuff, so it becomes more attractive for for the manufacturers to attend again. And then, how do we get consumers there, uh, and maybe you know make a little money off of off of consumers in some way? Like maybe the idea of these auto shows start to implement more of a sales thing happening like on site pre-orders deposits cars you want to buy you know like obviously you're not going to take it home that instant but you know how how do they start to monetize it's just some thought into you know cuz you mentioned SEMA and SEMA is a trade show right and there's a lot of business that goes on behind the scenes it's not really a, a consumer oriented thing the media uh, it's a huge media event, but it is a a buying and selling you know trade event. It's like, hey, here's all the new parts that are coming up this year. I'm going to meet with all of my retailers, and the retailers are going to say, this is what we like. We're going to get excited about this new you know EFI system, these new supercharger packages, and you know uh, things like that. But there's there's no real commerce going on <laughs> there other than you know lining up sales for the year. So I kind of wonder. What's going to happen with the auto shows to make it, you know, financially viable? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to drop 20, 30 million bucks on a stand, think how much, you know, think how much Instagram advertising that is. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and it's as, sometimes it's as, it's as simple as that. Also, the car companies have been having a lot of success debuting certain vehicles at various events, things like Goodwood we talked about and Monterey Car Week and you know, uh, it could be anything. Just like you know, Long Beach Grand Prix is a huge event that we have here. Here, I mean, why not start taking advantage of those? There's so many consumers coming. There's so much attendance. Yeah, and the other thing on on auto shows historically is you know you you just get lost in the noise. So unless you can pull off something like Ford did with the GT, where they steal the show. But if you think about the year where Ford pulled off that extraordinary coup, where nobody knew about the GT, then suddenly rolled this thing out. If you'd spent any money launching any other car at that show, you were toast because only everybody only talked about the GT. So 
the idea of launching something at a different time or a different show or a different event means at least you can kind of grab all the limelight. Otherwise, you're just like, you know, 2% of the of the overall event. I, you talk about all those shows. I think things like, you know, Car Week and things like that isn't going to go away. So maybe they will grow for this sort of yeah. thing. And, you know, because that's a social, that's just part of the social calendar. It's not a, it's, it's a different sort of event, isn't it? Yeah. And you've just, yeah, got, yeah, and you've just got the mega rich there. And, and you know, it's like uh, the, the auto shows are so compact and it's just all about press releases being rolled out and news just being shoved down your throat. Like, you know, you, you, you know, like it, for what you guys do as content creators, uh, on, on about new cars, it's like an auto show comes around and you have to cover every car that's out there. But then which ones do you lean into more that you think are a little more special that, you know, might even generate more viewers? to 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 your site but nobody really gets a fair share uh, honestly though sometimes the underdog uh sweeps it you know it was years ago at la auto show rivian had a little booth and and it got a lot of attention right yeah i mean rivian i mean rivian's just had another big funding round and actually yeah. where i where i live in uh south bay in in, in in la they about four of them prototypes drove past me uh last weekend and I was just a bit slow with the old iPhone, uh, so I've got a shot as one just kind of leaves the leaves the frame. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they of all the breakthrough brands. I mean, Fisker's actually just moved in a couple of miles from where I live, and it's of all those kind of breakthrough brands now, Rivian looked like the the strongest bet, uh, at least in in the US. Uh, you know, sadly, Byton seems to have gone you know gone down, and you know, still waiting for more news on that. But Fisker seems to be doing okay. But that's probably a year and a bit away. But I'm really excited by the Rivian. I think that's going to be, you know, there's proper money behind it, uh, you know, proper engineering know-how. I think that that could be a that could be a good thing. And and I would say it, they have the right partnerships as well. I, I think that was an important yeah. thing. I th- everybody, not everybody, but basically what I'm saying is is there are so many like s- sort of startup car companies and startup EV companies because they all want a piece of this Tesla pie. And what I mean by that is I don't mean selling of the cars. I mean this massive market uh, capitalization they have, their, their public yeah. stock. You know, uh, Elon Musk just shot up to be the richest person on the planet, passing Jeff Bezos, and it's all in the Tesla stock. And now investors and, and executives, like everybody wants a piece of that. You know, um, of course, we know the car companies that have been around for 100 years, they're staring at that stock price, too, going, hey, we want a piece of that. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, the Fords and GMs yeah, and, Ford, and BMWs, and, and, and yeah. they all want a piece of that. And actually, to your point, is Ford invested in Rivian to, to literally try to get a piece of that? Yeah, and to help them with the F-150 EV as well. And actually, Ford's share price and GM's has actually responded a little bit, partly because they're getting heavily into the EV stuff. And we were surprised. We gave the, as you know, we gave the Mackie our, you know, top award at the end of last year. And we got a lot of, we got a lot of pickup from that. Uh, you know, Ford were excited about it, but also broadly across the industry and Wall Street picked it up. And, you know, I think that car, it's not going to sell in huge numbers, but that car is a real shot in the arm to Ford. And, and the fact that it's been really well received is, is really important for them. So, you know, the old world needs to be able to, you know, to show that it can play in this space. Mercedes is going big on things like the EQS and there's some really cool screen tech. I don't know if you've seen the, the release, like the screen technology and everything else. There's, there's some really cool stuff coming. Um, and, you know, Tesla's not going to have it all its own way. You know, and the uh, only thing is, the only thing is, sorry, go, I was going to, 
I was just going to say about the Taycan, the only thing is that, that Tesla has in its advantage at the moment is just the infrastructure. I tried to charge the Taycan and I ended up at a Honda dealership somewhere near Lancaster on my way to Willow Springs. And it was like eight o'clock in the morning. I'm at a Honda dealership in the middle of nowhere trying to charge this thing. And with a Tesla, you know, you go to a supercharger, you plug it in and it talks to the car and all is well. Yeah. You know, and the infrastructure for anything that isn't a Tesla at the moment isn't good enough. And, you know, it's taking, I think it's taking time for people like Porsche to get their head around the fact that it's not just about selling a product. They've got to, they've got to sell the whole package. And, you know, on the rest of the EV, it's just not good enough. And they need to sort it out fast. The other irony, irony is, sorry, I'm, I'm going on, but the other irony is if Volkswagen's Dieselgate hadn't happened, where would the infrastructure be? Because it's Dieselgate money that's basically been pumped into Electrify America to provide all these charging points. Just imagine where we would be if, if that hadn't happened. Actually, you know, who knows? You know, Tesla might have pretty much had the market to themselves. Yeah. Because yeah. right now it would put me off buying a Taycan simply because the infrastructure is rubbish. Right. And, and I know everybody's sort of banking on uh, all the car companies are banking on, hey, you charge this at home. This is a commuter car. This isn't a road travel car. This isn't, you know, uh, you, you know, hey, you, you drive it around town in, in L.A. all you want. But, you know, you're going to go to Vegas, you know, rent yourself a, an, an SUV and and go there or, or fly. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> because that's that's kind of what they go on. But it's funny because they keep telling us that story. Be- not because that's the real story. They keep telling us that story because there's no infrastructure, right? And they and how do they alleviate that worry? Is they go, they just say, "Oh, don't worry, you plug it in at home, and like it's fine." Because there's no real, an- there's no other answer to it, you know. Well, I, I set off from LA. It was ninety percent charged. I drove out into to, to Willow Springs, which is about ninety miles away, and. Got got there. The first charger I tried to go to was literally not, didn't exist. It was in the navigation, didn't exist. Second was a Honda dealership. So I literally spent two hours that day parked at a Honda dealership uh, in the middle of nowhere trying to trying to charge this thing. And all the other option was to drive all the way to Mojave, which is another 30 miles to try and find a supercharger. Yeah. And hmm. then it's, it's not good. It's not good. Rant over. Yeah. All right. No. Uh, well, on, on a similar topic, um, I, I drove the Volvo. We got into the Volvo a little bit last week, but you drove it as well. Uh, similar one. I drove the XC60 Recharge, which is a plug-in hybrid. And uh, you drove an XC40? Yeah, well, we had one in the office. I didn't get into myself, unfortunately, but I know we had, had in the office the XC, XC40 Full EV. Um, and actually, we're pretty impressed by it. Yeah. Yeah, that's- so I, I drove the XC60 Recharge, and, you know, it's only about 19 miles on, on that battery. Um, you know, fair, fairly, you know, as you would expect, fairly seamless, you know, integration between the two. It was significantly faster with with a little bit of charge in the battery because when you're, you know, it's 400 horsepower with with both the, the engine and the motor, you know, you know, the gas engine and the electric motor. Uh, you know, it's 400 horsepower, and it seemed it seemed quick. It seemed to scoot around pretty good. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, though. It's it's a front wheel drive gas engine vehicle with a rear electric motor because it felt like it was front wheel drive when it was just in the uh, gas engine mode. And I didn't dig into the specs. I just kind of wanted to like drive it and see what it felt like. But it was a little interesting to me. Now, it's that two-liter compound boost. It's the turbocharged, supercharged two-liter engine. And I, I 
Yeah, I don't know. I, do you think it's front-wheel drive? An electric no, motor? I think it, One electric it, motor it, in the back? No, isn't it just isn't it front-wheel drive and all-wheel drive on demand? So it, it's basically front-wheel drive for efficiency, but then we'll, we'll send power to the rear if you need it. Yes, and I think there's one. So long since I drove one of those, and I think it's one electric motor, and I think it's in the rear. So, however, it it yeah. contributes to it, but but yes, but the default mode is front wheel drive, not rear wheel drive. It's you know because we talk a lot about EVs being oh, it's a rear wheel drive gas engine. You got electric motors on the front wheels or something like that, um, you know. But this is not a NSX. This is something different. Yeah, when they first came out, the, the the whole interaction of the hybrid system wasn't great, but they they did improve it a little bit. Yeah, um, it, you know, and that those it, it, it's getting there. You know, the one thing I, I wanted to point out on the uh, on the Volvo is it's lovely. It's it's a sharp design. The interior is nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I I get this. You know, this this one I was driving. This recharge is the plug in hybrid system. It's got all the nice features and you know the heated seats and all that stuff. And it starts getting up to that seventy thousand dollar range for the XC sixty, which is sort of the middle of their lineup of SUVs. You know, but it's a it's a it's a pretty vehicle it's it's actually really nice it, it is it, it's a few years old now but it also has like the best seats in the business i like the i like the cabin i think it's a yeah or even even the non-hybrid which is a lot cheaper just like a standard xc60 you probably get a good deal on one these days that's a you know they're a nice thing even the xc90 is old now but that's also you know super comfortable and i think we've talked about this before matt what i like is volvo isn't trying to be you know, they're not trying for Nürburgring times. They just say, we're going to build a really comfortable, stylish family SUV. And then you get into them and bumble around town and think, actually, this is just a nice place to a nice place to be. Yeah. And so and now Volvo's Volvo's strategy at this point is is not to have a combustion engine only. Everything will be EV or hybrid. Right. I, don't, I think they're going to do away with just the straight up gas engine. Yeah, in Duke, yeah, and, and what they're and basically because they're obviously part of a much bigger group now of Geely, so they will have Polestar as their sort of sportier EV brand. Then Volvo will be your sensible family brand and focus on safety and comfort. And then of course Lotus is part of that family as well. And Lotus will be this, you know, ultra sporty EV brand as well. And it, interestingly, Lotus just came out this week and said that they're stopping production of the Exige and the Elise and everything else. And yeah, I got a bit wistful. The Elise was the first kind of like, you know, genuine sports car, extreme sports car I ever drove. Uh, I joined Auto Car as a road tester at age 21. And uh, they get, you know, I had, we had an Elise on our long term test fleet back then. That was in 98. That was amazing. It never came here. The, the first generation Lotus Elise was just fabulous. It did, didn't meet any of the federal requirements. And it, I don't think you could even you could maybe get one in the twenty five year rule now, but not into not into California. But yeah, what a what a fabulous little car that was. Okay, you say fabulous, but what you mean is on the track in a raw form. <laughs> no, no, actually, I don't because it had, I don't Cause I because was, it had I was I was behind a few of these cars and the parts are just falling off of it as I'm behind it, like plastic bits are firing off the back of this thing and and it's like i like driving it but i just drove like the most recent i think avora and you know I, it's a cool car to drive around it's small and it's nimble and it's quick 
but it's a pain in the ass to get in and out of, and it's real tight, and it feels like it's got an aftermarket like Alpine stereo, and it's just like you know, it just feels what? a little it house. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it is. No, I mean the the original lease, and this comes back to what we always talk about, like horsepower. The original lease had 118 horsepower, and it didn't weigh very much. There was no airbags, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. So it was super lightweight, super basically like a Caterham Seven or Lotus, or what was the original Lotus Seven for the for the modern era. And they built this thing believing that basically racing drivers would buy it. You know that people would buy it as a fun thing, but real enthusiasts. And it was so successful, a bunch of city boys from London went out and bought them. And then the thing was so knife-edged. The lift-off oversteer was like nothing you've ever felt before. And people kept crashing them. So when they came out with the second-generation car, the one that that she did come to the US, uh, that was a lot tamer. That was a lot more kind of engineered for understeer and all the rest of it. But that first-generation car was just... my. I remember taking my, my girlfriend at the time, and it's going back 20 years. She, uh, My girlfriend at the time, I remember going out in it in the freezing cold and basically, she ended up with hemorrhoids. <laughs> it's just a really... They had these terrible seats. Yeah. So the roof off, freezing cold, really like... They built these seats where you had like a big ridge across your backside. So after a few miles, it was agony. And yeah, she ended up in hospital. That was really... That was not a good moment. We're not, we're not still together, really. <laughs> you tell your wife now, hey, you better settle down or I'll make you drive in the first jet at least. <laughs> Yeah, you don't know how good you've got it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just spent a weekend in the F one fifty power boost. You better it, it, count honestly, your blessings. <laughs> if I could, if I could bring the uh, Series One Elise over and into California, I would love that thing. I just thought it was a, a fabulous, fabulous car. So, what's going to be the next Lotus? They, yeah, they, the announcement was more about we're stopping these vehicles. You know the current lineup, but did they get into much of what the, the replacement is going to be? No, uh, they've I, got, I mean, they've got, they've got the, uh, what, what the, what is it, Avisia, I'm quite sure I pronounce it, which is this like crazy hypercar, but that's just a image thing. I mean, what they will be coming out with, I think in due course is a, is a kind of nine eleven type money car that like hundred to 120 K that's probably where they where they, they see their market is. And they're not going to be going for Porsche volume. Uh, but they are going to be, I, I think it's that sort of price range. So it's not going to be Ferrari, Aston Martin. It's going to be where Lotus always was really with the Esprit. It's going to be somewhere, be, it's going to be sort of Porsche level. I think that's how they're going yeah, to pitch it. To, to sell it here, that's kind of where you need to be, right? If you go too raw, too lightweight, too race car-ish, then you're just going to end up with what they've had, which is not a lot of sales. Or Alfa Romeo 4C, right? Like little... Yeah, 4C is a terrible car. Yeah, just like a little... <laughs> a little too too much work to drive, <laughs> you know? And uh, that car beats you up. I mean, you, you drive that thing just down down the freeway here, down the 405. I think that car just... Well, the, the 4C was supposed to be inspired by the Lotus Elise, but they just made a bit of a hash of it, but... Yeah, I, I, it, it um, needs to be more of a comfortable vehicle. It could still be lightweight. It could still be fast. It could still have you know a you know a lot of that Lotus DNA. But it just needs like a little a little bit more livability, a little bit easier to get in and out of, a little bit better visibility out of the vehicle, just a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, and it's, they've always had that problem where you know sometimes we would look at it and go, oh, shit. a bit like Aston. Now, you know, should I buy this? Should I buy that? And then they go and but you go buy a Porsche. Because you, at the end of the day, it's, if you just want something that works and, you know, it's going to give you, 
Evora was a fabulous car, but you know, and in many ways, if you're just going to drive it on, you know, Angeles Crest or something like that, then then you'd take the Evora over a over a Cayman. But then, which one were you actually going to buy? And that's kind of why they didn't sell. Yeah, for all the reasons that you've outlined, that visibility and it's got this, and it's still just got a Toyota engine in the back. And but there's so much equity in the in the Lotus brand. If you're a proper enthusiast and you know, you know, the history of Lotus and Jim Clark and all that sort of stuff, there there's still so much equity in it. Arguably more than more than um, more than Aston Martin, and I still want you know every time I watch Pretty Woman or <laughs> Basic Instinct or something, I still want an Esprit. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what bringing trailers for. <laughs> exactly. But then you look at it and think, oh, Esprit, like thirty grand, forty grand, and you just think this is just going to be a world of pain. It's going to be a world of of pain. It really is. Uh, not just the driving. I'm just talking about keeping that thing running keeping that thing going yeah that's it you buy a classic 911 as i have and there's a million you know there's a million people around you that can look after it you buy a lotus and you've really got to find somebody good that that's going to be you know that's kind of going to grandfather that car for you right and and because you're only going to find one guy it's it's really about name your own price right that guy gets to name yeah. his own price when he goes to fix it so you know what what are you really in for it's interesting because we had i think on twitter we had a similar conversation you know uh, mclaren mp4 12c you know pretty car fun car to drive uh not an inexpensive car to own no and 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 that was the car that mclaren they launched it too early and they by their own admission they didn't really understand the market now they thought if we just build the fastest thing everybody will love it and didn't realize necessarily, which they've come to realize that, you know, all the visceral stuff is really important. It already looked a bit old. It already, you know, the engine didn't sound great and it, you know, it'd been designed years before, but yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. they what are they? 70, what was it yourself or 60, 70,000 or something? It's, yeah, it's a there. lot of car for money, but carbon tub and yeah, you would just, every time you hear, every time you hear like a crunch as you go down a road, you're just going to be panicking. Yeah, a friend of mine um, uh, years ago, he was, you know, he was making some changes, uh, you know, buying buying a house and stuff. And he had a he had a handful of cars. And he's like, "Yeah, hey, help me sell some of these cars." And I said, "Sure." And uh, yeah, he had that he had the McLaren, and and he's like, "I just love the idea of having a McLaren. I just he never had one, and I wanted to get into one. It was fairly affordable." And uh, and I was like, "Well." Now he's like I he's like I never drive it. It's too much of a pain in the ass. Like it it's like just taking it in for just whatever it needs is just ridiculously expensive. He goes he goes that car was just not worth it. And he's got some pretty high maintenance cars and he was like that one just wasn't worth it. It just kind of a big letdown for for him. So um and and I'm a huge fan of McLaren. I I love what they're doing now, but it just seemed like that car you're right, maybe was a little rushed. Yeah. Uh, but there is McLaren's residuals. I'm like you. I, I really like the company, and I, you know, I think it's pretty ballsy what they've done. But the residual values on the cars is not great, really, isn't? They don't. They haven't quite made it into that kind of Ferrari stratosphere where, you know, it just doesn't quite still have the brand cachet. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of hot cars, tell me about the uh, the BMW M5. You got a little glimpse of the M5 CS. Yeah, but BMW came out yesterday with a. You know, Brindles has so much stick for, for its design stuff recently. But the good thing is about the M5, it's designed long enough ago that it doesn't have all, you know, it doesn't have a ridiculous drill and, and all the rest of it. So, yeah, yeah, they came out, you know, they had the M2 CS and, and, and others like that. This is the first time they've actually applied it to the M5. So what they've basically done is, is added 10 horsepower, but taken off a ton of weight. 
So loads of carbon, loads of um, uh, even inside you get four sort of bucket seats taken out of the rear bench, that sort of thing. Uh, so the reality is 627 horsepower, zero to 60, they're saying 2.9 seconds. It's going to be like over 140 grand and they're only going to make it in the 22 model year. So it's about 30 grand more than a, than a normal M5 competition. But it looks very, very cool. And, it's and, got and this kind of. I'm seeing about 230 pounds less as well, right? It's it's got a little bit of yeah, a diet. So, is that like a Goldberg less? <laughs> no, no. no, Goldberg's more than that, right? Yeah, he's he's well, he's wrestling, so he'd probably put on about 20 extra pounds before he's wrestling. He's probably well, he was 100 pounds more than I was, so he was 250. He's probably 270. Yeah, it's it's half it's, a Goldberg. <laughs> it's half a Goldberg. Yeah, but uh, but it looks. Nah, it's, it's, it's about a seen the pictures online. It looks very cool, and this might be a car that actually is a decent investment because they're only going to build it for one year, and you know M5s have a certain cachet still. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a cool thing. It got me excited anyway. They they artificially limit it to 190 miles an hour, which made me laugh. So the the hood, the front splitter, the mirror housings, the rear diffuser. And uh, and the rear uh, uh, splitter, um, basically all going to be carbon fiber. And then there are carbon fiber front seats. Uh, and rear seats, yeah. And, uh, yeah, two uh, uh, rear seats. It's uh, instead of like the normal like bench seat in the back, it's got kind of little carbon fiber buckets in the back, I guess. That's the that's always where people. I remember Bentley saying when they did the GT3 version of the of the old Continental, like the amount of weight you can say just in ripping out those like shoot, you know, those big sort of sofas that you normally sit in. Yeah. The only thing I think it's a bit naff is they've got a um, they've got like a little map of the Nurburgring in the head restraints, <laughs> just yeah. on the top of it. Hey, that kind of feels like the sort of thing you do as an aftermarket. I don't know. That's a bit not not to belittle the aftermarket, but you know what I mean when you have like a. A six thousand dollar car, you took to the rig and you put the sticker on the on the on the on the trunk. But um, yeah, I think that's a bit. The rest of it, though, that would be as a family man, that would be my choice. Yeah, well, also the twenty percent reduction in sound deadening material. Your baby's yeah. going to love that. <laughs> yeah, should be fine. Less so the uh, less so the commander in chief. <laughs> you make a ride around in the Porsche, though, right? The old Porsche. So. I'm Maybe. still actually, uh, this is a good call out, Matt, because if anybody knows of a, um, if anybody knows of a child forward facing Chelsea, he's now big enough to go to forward facing Chelsea that will fit the rear of a port of a, of a classic 911, in this case, a 993. I would love to hear it because Chelsea these days are so big. So what I want is a safe Chelsea that's a little bit slimmer that will fit in the back. I don't think Porsche make one, but they should do. Yeah, they should for that car, right? You need like a 45 year old child seat. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you know, probably not the safest thing in the world like something made out of balsa wood or <laughs> yeah it should be fine it should be fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> just get just get, get her a helmet or a puffer jacket it'd be fine it's basically like yeah. an airbag for a baby <laughs> um all right so uh let me guys tell you about our friends at geico uh you know you heard us talk about it before maybe you own your home or you rent your home either way it can be a lot of hard work but you know what's easy it's bundling your policies with geico Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home already. So just go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. 
All right, so we're kind of running out of time here, but I'm um, trying to think if there's uh, anything. We probably had a few other things that we were missing. Uh, you guys ordered a Bronco. I wanted to touch on that. We ordered a Bronco. Matt, there was one other thing, actually, I just thought off the top yeah. of my head that, that I was going to put out a bit of an appeal for. We're, we're actually looking at expanding our hosting talent on on Edmunds. Um, so, and we're, we're probably going to throw it out to people out there. And, and what we're looking for is, is showreels or just people kind of contacting us you know, to we're we're obviously based in LA, so geography is important. It would need to be somebody who could you know could be uh, could be local to us. But we're we know we're thinking about you know who else is out there. We'd love to bring a bit more kind of diverse talent to the to the team as well. So um, if anybody's listening to this and, and fancies you know contacting us, just maybe drop me a note through through Instagram would work. I'm just Weaver on Cars, as you know on on Instagram. But yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna publicize it a little bit more, but we are starting to to think about who's who's out there and and who might be great to to host some of our content. That sounds fantastic. You guys want to work for Alistair? Hit him up on Instagram. Well, that's the downside, yeah. right? Yeah, actually, I think Chris just submitted his resume as you sp- spoke. He's like, I'm out of here. Check your email. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just Chris just slid into your DMs right now. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, so Bronco, you ordered a Bronco, and I, oh, we I'm, ordered a Bronco. Yeah, and I, I just met with um, Ford uh, Ford Performance Parts. I just met with their with their group through you know through a SEMA conference, and uh, I, you should expect um, a, a bunch of of performance parts heading your way from for the Bronco as well. Now, these aren't just the dealer accessories. But in the performance parts realm, they're going to have things there. And one of the first things I believe they're going to to get for you who wants it would be a rear differential gear change. So when you get the Bronco and you do want to put the bigger tires on it and you could do a little off-roading, you're going to want that gear, right? You're going to want that gear to compensate and uh, and whatnot. So that's one of the first things they're going to be coming out with, um, among other things as well. So we had a nice little chat with Ford Performance. Um, there's a few things that I, I can't shed light on yet, but it's going to be an exciting uh, uh, year for them. They're going to roll out a, a bunch of new new parts, not just for Bronco, by the way, but for hot rod parts and things like that. Um, now, we have talked about their crate engine, uh, their, their, their new uh, push rod. Uh, I think they're calling it Godzilla crate engine. Um, that thing is 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 pretty fantastic, and you're going to start to see that. Like that's been offered as a crate engine. They have a control pack coming out for that soon, and uh, and and they're going to have for you builders out there. They're going to have different versions. So if you if you don't want the entire crate engine, you are going to be able to start to get this thing in pieces, block heads, short blocks, things like that, and start doing your own work on them. So in the performance parts world, that's kind of a badass engine, um, sort of a modern-day pushrod uh, engine from from Ford that we've already seen starting to make big power. I think there's 400-something horsepower in its, in its stock OE uh, configuration, um, and uh, we've already seen a, a big Whipple supercharger go on top of one of those. Um, they've developed a kit for it that they're testing and, and probably will have a tune for. And uh, things a monster. It's gonna be it's gonna be a badass engine. Start to make you think. <laughs> there's some there's some really cool there's some really cool stuff uh, c- coming out. And yeah, Bronco has been delayed by six months, so we were hoping to get it you know early this year. And now it's going to be summer. But we just had to put the order in. The dealer was asking us to put the order in by the end of the this month. And you're right. I mean, the the first edition, which is what we've got, has loads of kit on it. It has the big beadlock 
tires and everything else but actually you know part of the fun of owning it will be playing with you know ford performance parts in the way that we've added mopar stuff to our to our wrangler and that's going to be a big issue you know it's going to be a big part of bronco ownership and if they're they're serious about getting into that kind of wrangler community type feel then you know it's a big part of of living with a vehicle like that isn't it it is i i I'd love to see when you guys get into it, you start doing a few modifications. I want to see the videos of of that happening because this Bronco is so modular, fenders, everything come off. But in the re- the reality is, is how easy is it going to be? I mean, it. I, you know, look, if it's a half a day or whatever, it's, it's fine. It's not like you're going to be swapping fenders three days a week, but. Uh, but I am curious as just sort of the process for for the average Joe, you know, because Ford has been putting a lot of thought into you don't need complex tools and a lift and all this stuff. You just need some basic tools or whatever or or or, or something and you could start to swap things out. Um, you mentioned Wrangler and, uh, you know, I don't know where we are with with the different tops of Wrangler, but some are complex and some are not complex, and, yeah. and some are kind of a pain in the ass to move to remove, so you don't want to do it. Like, how does that compare Wrangler versus Bronco? That'll be interesting to see. It, it will because we actually did a film on how to take how to take the hard top off our Wrangler and put the soft top on, and nobody watched it first. Now it's got tons of views because it's it's not it's not straightforward. <laughs> Yeah. And and that's where you're right. That's where like it's like old cars, isn't it? As you go back in time, it gets more and more difficult. So that will that will be really interesting. We can't wait. It's going to be. Um, we're probably going to have to trade in our GT500 to to buy this thing. Oh, um, but trade but, yeah, or still, sell? It, well, yeah, that, that that's uh, maybe maybe sell, man. Maybe sell. But um, yeah, we're like because it's like oh, the Bronco delayed six months. Like oh, I'm going to have to keep the GT500 a bit more. Then. Yeah, yeah, it's a small, yeah. World. Uh, small world. I'm sounding, I'm sounding very alike. Well, I, I just ordered. Finally, I actually put my order in for the Ford Mustang Mach One. And, I think that's a good choice. And stick, uh, yes, uh, manual. And uh, I put it out there and said, "What options should we get?" Um, and uh, we might as well just. Uh, uh, just just do it now. Well, I'm not going to get into all the options now, but I will tell you this, is there are two options I did not get, and I had some thought behind this, is one, I did not get the Recaro seats, and two, I did not get the rear seat delete. And the reason why is because the the regular seats are are fantastic they're power they're heated and they're cooled right and uh my thought was it's very easy for me to grab a racing seat or a recaro seat or whatever and when i want it to put that in but it's difficult to go the opposite direction if i ordered it with the recaros and you wanted the comfortable seat, good luck finding that. You'd have to order it from the factory and whatever. It's not like an aftermarket yeah. thing. But racing seats are all over the aftermarket, right? So if you wanted a lightweight, if you're going to do a track day, super easy to swap in, you know, fairly easy to swap that in. Um, same thought on rear seat delete. The rear seat delete kit is going to be something that's going to be available in the aftermarket, probably in the Ford Performance Parts catalog. But you know where you're not going to find in that rear in Performance Parts catalog? Stock rear seats. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. all, all you have to do, Matt, is, 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 is take them out. I don't even know whether it's a package, is it? It's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're right. A... Actually, when we bought the GT500, if you went for the full carbon part, the track package, mm-hmm. the reason we didn't was partly because it was twenty grand. 
um, and partly because you lose all the rear seats as well. And, and it's the same. It's always driven me mad that the GT3 911 is the same. It's like, actually, rear seats are useful either for throwing people in for short distances or like throwing throwing kit in and things like that. And I know it's always this thing, oh, you know, you've got to turn it into a two-seater, but, you know, our GT500 has got the rear seats, and that's really useful. Yeah, honestly, like, where's the dog going to sit? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's always there's always that. I don't know. But, again, the thought process was those things are available in the aftermarket, which I can get directly from Ford in their performance parts catalog or pick my own version, especially when it comes to the front seats. So, are the dogs going to be allowed in this car, Matt? Uh No. <laughs> but it was a nice thought for somebody else, for somebody else that wanted to get the, the this one of these cars. <laughs> if you want to lose that new smell, <laughs> yeah, right, that that fresh dog smell, you get that in the car. Anyway, we'll get into more options later when I I, I submitted it and uh, um, uh, when did you get it? Where? When? 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 In the spring. Um, I will tell you this because of the performance package. So the there is a first uh, allocation of cars um, that the performance package wasn't an option on it. So you know we're obviously we're, we're good friends with our friends at Galpin Autosports uh, and Galpin Galpin Ford, and I talked to them and they said, hey, we can get you on the list now, but no performance package. And I said, well, yeah. when the performance package? They said, well, you got to wait a little while to order it, and then it'll come in the spring. But hopefully we'll get one of the first with the performance package. Honestly, this whole thing of like getting the first car or getting the first you know, early VIN, none of that really matters to me. I just want to get the car and drive the car. It, it Getting something first or getting one of the early models just means I get it sooner. That's the only exciting part for me. I don't care if it's VIN 500 or VIN you know, 1200. It doesn't make that much of a difference to me. Obviously talking with Goldberg when he, he just got his TRX, by the way, he just got delivery of his TRX. Yeah, I saw that on Instagram. Yeah. And, and, and they did something special for him. They got him VIN 95, which was his NFL football number. And, uh, and, and Goldberg, I think on Twitter is on Instagram is Goldberg 95. That's his number. So, uh, they surprised him with that. He didn't even bring it up. He just said, Hey, I want a TRX when you can, you know, let's do it. I want to buy it. And then they hit him up and they said, good news. It's coming soon. We got you VIN 95. And that actually really really meant a lot to him that's so, cool i yeah, like that a lot um, he was he was really surprised and and it, it, that was huge for him but i don't have anything like that i wasn't a professional football player <laughs> which might surprise you <laughs> you'd be agile yeah, yeah I can, i'm just be running for my life every second just get just get away just get away get away um but anyway so uh that that'll be kind of exciting. And when I get more information as to, I I don't know what they're going to do. Do they do they hit me up and go, hey, you know, we started the build process, or here's the venue you are going to get, and here's the timing. As I get more of that information, I'll let you guys know, and uh, and I'll get into the specs uh, a little bit later. I just I submitted it. Um, Ford confirmed it and said, hey, I think you got a nice car here. Um, and uh, I don't know if there's like another level of confirmation, uh, you know, from them yeah. on saying, you know it's good to go. I don't want to because actually with, with uh, one of the vehicles that, that Goldberg had ordered previously with Dodge, they came back and they said, Hey, the color you wanted, we can't do the paint was limited or there's a problem with the manufacturer. We can get you that color. If you order like the black hood and trunk lid, right? Because 
were limited on how much paint. So then he had to go back and make a decision. So I'm just worried about that. You know, like, yeah, like that, hey, that, I got this appearance package. And they go, yeah, we, we ran out of paint for the, you know, for this or that, you know, like. There's so much of there's so much of this. More. I own a new. I just moved house. I need a new garage door. And that's like a four month lead time at the moment. You know, there's a, it's just a, such a struggle with supply and factories being shut down. It's 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 tough. It's it's a really tough world in which to try and build cars or build anything at the moment. Yeah, it's it's anything we're doing out here as well. In in anything that's built at a factory, uh, there's a caveat to everything. You know, somebody goes, "Hey, we think we're on schedule to get you this thing in six weeks." Yeah. But our factory got COVID, and if it happens again, it's going to be four months, you know, instead yeah. of instead of two, you know, it's going to be one of those things. But uh, anyway, Alistair, thanks so much. Uh, what do we got looking forward to on uh, on Edmonds? Uh, huge things. We check out our uh, we, at the moment. We just did, launched a video of the uh, our, our long term experience of living with a Kia Telluride. That's been doing really well for us. Alana Share is uh, talking launching a film tomorrow about the Acura MDX. Uh, we've got some cool drag races coming up. We've got the Taycan piece that we talked about. So there's there, check out that M5 CS. So no end of content, no end of content. Right on. So guys, go to, go to Edmunds.com or go to Edmunds.com slash road noise, where you get a lot of this, uh, this fun stuff. And you can follow Alistair. He's Alistair Weaver on Twitter and he's Weaver on cars on Instagram. And if you want to work for him, uh, slide into his DMs right behind Chris, and uh, and you can and, and you can apply. Uh, you can follow Chris, me you're at welcome. <laughs> you you can follow me at uh, at Motorator. We're gonna hopefully keep posting images of of the shop and the cars we're driving and all kinds of fun stuff. So, guys, thank you, appreciate it, Alistair. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Chris. And uh, until next time, uh, keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. spring is that you warmer temps mean new allbird styles meet the super light collection the lightest ever shoes from allbirds now in fresh colors these must-have travel shoes have a lighter than air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever plus they're comfy right out of the box that means more comfort and less baggage experience how allbirds is redefining comfort visit allbirds.com and use code super 24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of 48 dollars or more that's a-l-l-b-i-r-d-s.com code super 24